stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. He's going to engage in ad hominem personal attacks. Uh, I think that's unfortunate. Much of what he said is uh, potentially libelous, but I'm going to leave that for him uh, to justify. I think Albertans want a conservative party that's focused on Albertans. Well, judging from that, it doesn't sound like the right is united in Alberta. Uh, That is uh, Derek Fildebrandt, who, um, well, still is, I guess, technically uh, an independent MLA. Or does this change the the banner that he sits uh, under uh, in the Alberta legislature? He has now attached himself uh, to something called the Freedom Conservative Party of Alberta, the FCP. Not the F-U-U-C-P, but the F-C-P, as opposed to the U-C-P. Now, that was uh, Derek Fildebrand responding to some of what Jason Kenney has had to say about him and this new vehicle. I mean, understandably, Jason Kenney views this as counterproductive to the overall idea, the overarching idea of uniting the right and not splitting the conservative vote in the next election, which I suppose to some extent was a factor in 2015. I mean, how significant is this FCP? Because even though the right has more or less united, coalesced under the UCP banner, uh, there still are a few uh, fringe parties that exist in Alberta. You just check with Elections Alberta, you can see the number of parties that that are registered, but don't really register, if you know what I mean. Uh, But Derek Fildebrandt is a known quantity in Alberta politics. Uh, Derek Fildebrandt is certainly outspoken on a number of issues. So I guess the fact that you have a sitting MLA, one with some profile attaching himself to a new party, it's a little different. It's a little different than than your uh, typical run-of-the-mill fringe party. But for a conservative voter, what, what can the FCP... Right? I think people are just going to assume that that F stands for Fildebrand. <laughs> um, what, what can the FCP possibly offer that, that the UCP doesn't? Right? What's going to be the convincing argument for conservative Albertans uh, who are probably, for the most part, enthusiastic about the idea of a UCP government to not vote UCP and instead vote for the uh, FCP? Right. Let's not kid ourselves. And I'm sure Derek and whoever else is involved in this are under no illusions that they're going to form government in the next election. But I think to a lot of people, the big issue is, well, who is going to be the government in the next election? People are voting for a government. We're voting to ensure that we don't get a certain government. In, In that case, it would just seem like a waste, wouldn't it, to vote for the FCP? And I do wonder, look, I mean, as I say, Derek Fildebrandt is a known quantity in Alberta politics, and Derek Fildebrandt touches on issues that I think do matter to, to certainly a significant amount of Albertans. Uh, as an independent, he would have an uphill battle in his riding in the next election. But at least the people in that riding would be under no illusions that this is not about uh, voting for a different party. Uh, But this is about ensuring that we have a a specific voice in the legislature, which is in all likelihood going to be UCP. Does it make it a more difficult sell for Derek Fildebrandt to to run under a party banner? Does it seem like more of a repudiation of the UCP than if he just simply ran as an independent and touted his own credentials 
All right. Well, let's find out. This is uh, Derek Fildebrand, who is still the uh, MLA for Strathmore Brooks and is now, I guess, wh- what are we to call you here, Derek? The, um, the leader of, uh, member of this, this party? Well, I'm the interim leader of the Freedom Conservative Party of Alberta and uh, will be uh, very likely recognized as an official caucus of the legislature in the next few days. Uh, so what has to happen then for, for that to take place? Uh, really, I just send a letter off to the speaker, and okay. it's generally that simple. And if uh, precedent for other parties is followed, we uh, we expect to be recognized. Okay, so let's talk about why you're doing this. And I remember you as a, a strong proponent of the Uniting the Right movement. This seems like going in the opposite direction. Well, when I supported uh, Merger of the Wild Rose and PC parties, I thought we were going to create something that would take the legacies the best legacies of both parties and, and lose the worst legacies of both parties. And I don't think that that has been a success. Uh, you know, one reason I was so dedicated in the Wild Rose was grassroots democracy. The things were uh, more often than not bottom up, that people could select their own candidates in grassroots nominations and that the members would set the policy. And, you know, the members of the new Tories uh, were promised a grassroots guarantee, but the instant they vote for policies, uh, that the party bosses disagree with, well, the leader holds the pen on that, and they can throw them out. Uh, the members can vote for candidates locally, but the, you know, and there is a place for vetting, no doubt, uh, but uh, tricks and uh, ballot stuffing, uh, unnecessary disqualifications in some cases, and, uh, and a lot of other kind of dirty tricks are used to rig nominations or ensure that people uh, have no choice but to select the party insider candidate. And if you're in a solidly conservative constituency and you don't have a real chance to select who your candidate is as a conservative, you effectively have no vote. So, you know, we're dedicated to open grassroots democracy where the members set the policy, where the members choose their candidates. Uh, but we're also going to be an un- unapologetically conservative and libertarian party that uh, champions. Uh, Alberta's interests uh, aggressively. So, uh, you know, I want to see the NDP gone. They absolutely must be defeated in the next election. And uh, so to that end, we're committed that we will never run candidates in any constituency where the NDP have a hope in hell of getting elected. We're going to run candidates only in constituencies where the the combined conservative vote is so strong that the NDP don't have a chance, but that people will have an opportunity, a real option to choose what kind of conservative they want. Well, I think in 2015, a lot of people were surprised by how well the NDP did in certain ridings. How, how do you know with any certainty whether or not the NDP is competitive in a certain riding? Well, never take it for granted how, uh, how people are going to decide. Don't, you, know, you, can't, uh, you don't know how, what people are going to do. But uh, based on data, uh, based on the results of the last election and data we have on the ground today, you, know, you can make a pretty uh, strong... Um, you can come to a pretty strong conclusion about where different parties are competitive. For instance, you know, conservatives are unlikely to win in the very downtown core of Edmonton, but the NDP are very unlikely to win in rural, central, and south Alberta. You know, in, in my own constituency, if you divided uh, my vote in half, it, the Wild Rose still would have won. And if you divided it in half again, the PCs would have won. And then if you divided the PC vote in half, then the NDP barely would have won. So it's very safe to say that in many parts of the province uh, where the NDP are just completely non-competitive, that there is no such thing as a vote split that could help the NDP. It's it's akin to the Bloc Québécois running candidates in Quebec. They don't have any 
bearing whatsoever on how a vote goes in Alberta because those uh, they're just different constituencies. What's the point of a party, though, Derek? I mean, you could run as an independent in your riding and still make the same arguments. Uh, so what, what is the advantage of being attached to, to this, this party? Well, you know, if the issues uh, that I've seen were limited to my constituency, I would have just run as an independent. And I was encouraged to do so by many, many constituents, and I considered it. But the issues I saw uh, became uh, more endemic across the province with rigged uh, or outright corrupted nominations uh, in many constituencies. People have heard of some, and there are many more that they don't hear about. And if you, as I said, if you can't choose your local nom- nominee, You've been deprived of your vote if you're a conservative. Um, but also a growing difference in, in some policies. I share a lot of the same policy values with the Tories, but uh, increasingly there are many that I do not. In the, so I, I started to think more about this during the spring session of the legislature when uh, I would be the, you know, when the Tories voted with the NDP against cutting MLA pay by 5%, or when the Tories voted on four separate occasions uh, to support an NDP bill uh, with race and gender quotas or supporting uh, the NDP on taxpayers buying the Trans Mountain Pipeline or, or if it's in cases just where they neglected their duty as the official opposition. When the NDP brought in Bill 9, which in my view attacks the freedom of expression and assembly of pro-life Albertans who agree with them or not have a right to free speech. And they ran out of the legislature on a dozen occasions, refusing to debate or vote on a very important issue that, as a conservative and libertarian, I think we need to defend in all circumstances, free speech. So there's, there's a number of areas of serious policy disagreement, but particularly on uh, Alberta's place in Canada. I don't think it's enough for us to simply complain about tinkering with the equalization formula a little bit. That is barely the tip of the iceberg. Alberta loses far more money through a whole host of other transfer programs that we're not talking about. So the Freedom Conservative Party of Alberta will, de- will uh, demand an immediate repatriation of all powers that Alberta has under the Constitution at present that we have ceded to Ottawa. That means Alberta takes control of CPP, of EI, of tax collection, administration of the Firearms Act, and immigration. Those are powers that, uh, in some circumstances, Quebec exercises, and they're the only province to do so. So we would take those back. And in addition to that, we want to move towards a referendum on renegotiating Alberta's constitutional relationship with the federal government to keep more of our money and decision-making here at home in Alberta and away from Ottawa. But, Derek, I mean, that, that sounds like uh, a party that says, if we form government, this is what we're going to do. I mean, you, you're pretty much conceding the point that, that you're not going to, this party is not going to be forming government. Well, uh, what we want to do is elect the most freedom conservative MLAs possible. It's up to the people to decide what configuration that's going to take. And, you know, the when parties or politicians have an entitlement to power and they... They are demanding a certain form of government. Uh, it's, a, it's an arrogance that more than anything helped get the NDP elected in the last election. And that arrogance is now shared by the NDP itself. What we want to do is, you know, as I said, we're only going to run candidates in constituencies where the NDP have no chance of winning. So in those ridings that the NDP are competitive in, we are going to encourage people, even those who are upset with the Tories, to hold their nose and vote 
Tory in those areas. But in the rest of the province, where the NDP can't win, we're going to run strong campaigns and elect as many freedom conservative MLAs as possible. And so in the event that uh, the Tories have a majority government, will be a principled, uh, op- constructive opposition that focuses on policies and what matters to Albertans, not, not personal attacks and that kind of stuff that you see all the time. In the event of a minority government, we would be ready and willing to be cooperative and work with the Tories to provide the most conservative and Alberta-first government possible. I mean, how many ridings do you imagine that will be? Uh, I can't give you an exact number yet, because we're going to make the call on a riding-by-riding basis based on the results of the last election and the data on the ground today. Um, but in general, you'll see us in the vast majority of rural, uh, small-town, and suburban constituencies. Um, I would imagine we're uh, unlikely to be running in Edmonton since the NDP are competitive there, and very competitive in some parts of it. Um, most of Calgary, we're going to encourage people to vote for the Tories. The NDP are competitive, at least in many parts of Calgary, and we can't take a risk of a vote split where that matters. And then there's uh, Lethbridge would probably fall into that category. So there may be pockets in Calgary where we have candidates. Uh, but for the most part, most of our candidates will be in rural Alberta and uh, the constituencies uh, immediately outside of Calgary and Edmonton. Uh, how much say are you going to have then in, in who runs under this party's banner? Well, uh, in the agreement, uh, the agreement in principle that we uh, we signed today on the creation of the party, um, we explicitly said, and uh, this was a part that I wrote, that the leader shall have no power whatsoever to disqualify candidates. uh, We'll have an objective vetting process that is not applied subjectively depending on if the party has a favorite or not. Our vetting process will be applied objectively, uh, and the only way a candidate would be able to be disqualified would be by a supermajority of our board of governors. Uh, They would be the only body with uh, the authority to do so. Because there, there is a role for vetting, and there is a role for disqualification in some cases. Uh, but we want to see that applied objectively and fairly, not just to favor some candidates over others. And that power should not be concentrated in the in the hands of the leader. Well, we had a cer- cer- uh, situation in uh, Brooks Medicine Hat where a candidate was uh, disqualified for comments uh, posted on social media about Muslims and Islam. Would that candidate be uh, welcome in, in this party? Well, he'd be certainly welcome to apply as a candidate. Um, his comments certainly don't reflect our views, um, and they're quite concerning. But, uh, you know, our, our, our process would apply objectively, and it would apply before the voting starts. Uh, the problem with the case of Mr. Beasley was he had already been vetted and green-lighted by the party, and he had already been informed, he'd already informed the party on four different occasions of his comments. And um, you know, I, I told him two weeks before the vote, that, or the vote was supposed to begin, that uh, he'd only be allowed to run so long as they didn't think he was going to win. And the instant they thought he was going to win, they were going to disqualify him. And that's, that's what happened. So my issue there was that they were happy to let him raise money and sell memberships for the party as long as he wasn't going to win. And he was almost certainly going to win from what I know on the ground at Brooks. So uh, to summarize that, he'd have a right to apply. Uh, he may very well have been disqualified, but he would have a fair and objective process. And once you're green-lighted and vetted, the members have to have that say. You shouldn't have the rug pulled out of you after you're green-lighted and vetted and have the rug pulled out of you from under you just because uh, party elites think you're going to win it. 
Uh, but just so we're clear, that's not the riding that you intend on running, it, even though it encompasses some of what is currently your riding. You are planning to mm-hmm. run in what I guess would be the, the Chestermere riding. Or Strathmore-Chestermere, yeah. is that what it's so, going to be? Yeah, so I, I, I currently represent Strathmore-Brooks. Um, you know, when I uh, was still involved with the UCP, uh, Mr. Kenny said he wanted me back in caucus, wanted me to run for them, but I couldn't run in my constituency of Strath, uh, the new constituency of Chestermere Strathmore, which is a half-half between my constituency and Mrs. Zahir's. Uh, I couldn't run there, he said, because it would look bad, in his words, for a blonde, bearded redneck to defeat one of their only two women in caucus. And that was the beginning of our fallout. But uh, uh, that is my constituency, and uh, I'll be announcing formally at one point, but it won't come as a great surprise to people that I will be running in my own constituency, and uh, we will have a candidate in Brooks Medicine Hat. Okay. So, uh, Derek, is there a, a website for this uh, this party? Yeah, freedomconservativeparty.com. Uh, it's either live right now or will be uh, very, very soon. We'll be, we'll be getting it out there. Uh, our guys have been working overtime getting it ready. They can purchase memberships, donate to the party, and learn more about us. Uh, we're going to be po- posting our founding principles there, and they can see what we're about, and then they can get involved in the process and help to write the policies of the party, its constitution, elect its leader, and they can actually... A novel case, elect their own local candidates for office without undue interference from party bosses. All right. Well, Derek Vildebrandt, appreciate you joining us here today. Thanks for this. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right. Take care. That is uh, Derek Vildebrandt, the uh, independent for now, I guess, technically, MLA for Strathmore Brooks, the interim leader of the uh, FCP. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.